0: Brett two Wellness Base Camps down, one to go. That's right, MP. After a sensational day in my hometown of Adelaide, the Wellness Base Camp heads to Kayama on June the 2nd. Fuad Kassab, his sultry tones will be there. The gorgeous Helen Patterin, Maria Zushman, all about stress, the queen of stress. The incredibly handsome Marcus Pierce. Oh, Brett you're too kind. The hometown hero from Adelaide, the remarkable Dr. Brett Hill. <laughs> going to be a great day, MP. And the best part is when you register for Kayama now, not only do you get two tickets for the price of one, you also get our recordings from the Wellness Base Camp in Brisbane valued at $97. Oh, wow, MP. Brisbane was a great lineup too. We had the Up for Chat Girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison, Karen Smith. It, it's a fantastic recording to chuck in. Eight presentations from Brisbane. Saturday, June 2 for Kayama at the incredible pavilion overlooking the ocean, Bredo. I don't want to sound biased, but it is the most remarkable venue that we've had for the Wellness Base Camp so far. Saturday, June 2, two for one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett, this episode is brought to you by Forage. Forage, love my forage cereal, demo my forage paleo with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it. It's beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love forage. Um,
1: I created it with your health in mind and obviously I created paleo because you told me to. And uh, (laughs) thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no it nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to com. Hi,
0: this is Damien Christoph, And this is Brett Hill. Hello, Brett. G'day, mate. Good interview today. Yeah. All about your favorite topic, herbs. <laughs> well, you
1: know, I spent some time experimenting with herbs um, in my accounting days, <laughs> um, and they expanded my consciousness, which obviously led me to become a naturopath and uh, and a nutritionist and a herbalist. You know, amazing, right? but uh it is quite cool to kind of you know reflect on how far herbal medicine's actually come in the last 4 to 800 years
0: yeah well i found it really interesting actually learning a lot about some of the research behind it and the the difference between i guess just putting herbs into your food versus you know the 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 stronger herbal tonics, and uh, I thought it was fascinating. Well, there's a few things that are really
1: important to understand, I suppose, and that is that many of the drugs that are used, the pharmaceutical drugs that are used, are actually um, derived from herbs. You mm-hmm. know, for example, willow bark being aspirin, um, um, foxglove, so Digitalis officinalis, being used um, for um, digoxin, which is the medication for um, you know heart angina. And so there's, you know, there's lots of herbs that are used um, in the preparation of pharmaceutical drugs.
0: And, yeah. Uh, and, well, so and I work. guess the, the thing about that is this whole sort of evidence-based medicine movement and, and the I guess the focus on these very reductionistic studies has meant that we've always wanted to try and find what's the one element in that herb that makes a difference and refine it and refine it and refine it until we get that one thing that we can study in a you know double blind randomized controlled test to yeah. show that it has an impact <laughs> you know and and yeah, I guess that's the that's useful in terms of that type of research but I guess the question it misses is well what if it's the whole herb that makes it like, you know, what What if there's more to it than just one ingredient? And what if there's more to it than in terms of how that reacts with our body than just that one reaction? Mm. And so when we start sort of thinking a bit more globally about the body, we start thinking, well, maybe, you know, this herbal approach that has been done for such a long period of time, even though it's not as easy to define in a double-ized, randomized control study because it's harder to take out little variables, yes. maybe it's actually going to have a, a better impact in terms of the overall health impact on our body.
1: Mm, oh, I'm liking it, Brad. Eh? It's really good. Uh, the other thing is too that's important to understand is that, you know, whilst it may seem to be relatively inert, like a little bit of rosemary on your lamb um, or some grapefruit juice with your breakfast, these herbs contain nutrients that actually stimulate detoxification in the liver um, and different things occur as a result of having rosemary or as a result of having grapefruit. And many people are warned not to have grapefruit juice or have rosemary if they're actually taking certain types of medication because it mm. potentiates the medication. So, don't discount food as being your medicine, um, but also understand the role that, um, that herbs could actually play in your healthcare and your wellbeing.
0: Good run, Damo. Let's get into it. All right, mate. Let's do it.
1: Hey, Breno. Hey, Damo. Hey, great interview coming up today.
0: Yes, looking forward to it. Always a good for an opportunity for us to have a little bit of fun and get a little bit cheeky, Damo.
1: Absolutely, and I know you like a little bit cheeky. I've seen that Instagram post of you being cheeky, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. I'm pretty sure that was the left cheeky that we're talking about there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know.
0: For Damo. I
1: haven't mentioned it. I'm, it's gonna, I'm,
0: I'm, getting, I'm getting worried. It's like the third time you've mentioned it. It comes up almost every weekend. Have you
1: seen Brett's photo on Instagram? <laughs> Have you seen Brett's photo on Instagram? <laughs> like, it comes up. It comes up a bit. I said, yeah, but I'm looking out for Steph's photo on Instagram. It hasn't come up yet. <laughs> I know there's one there, but I'm waiting for it to come out, but it hasn't come out. But uh, anyway, there'll be a, a number of likes on that one, I think, if that comes out. Oh, let me just say, Hey, uh, we're joined today uh, by a fellow podcaster, Mel Gearing has uh, joined us on 100 Not Out, Marcus and I, we, we spoke about herbs and all that all that stuff, which, you know, I'm very, very passionate about, but um, Mel's also got a podcast called The Naked Naturopath, and she's joined us today to, uh, to chat about all things to do with her new podcast and to talk about being naked as a naturopath, I suspect. Hey, Mel, great to have you join us on The Wellness Sky Show.
2: Thanks so much. I feel like I've missed out on something with this Instagram cheek part.
1: Oh well, if you can multitask, you <laughs> can go on Instagram and have a search for Dr. Brad Hill um, on Instagram, and you will see the cheekiest cheek <laughs> you've ever seen. Um, it's it's Brad apparently having having a a cold shower um, in the open, naked, um, and you and you you see things that you can't unsee.
0: I'm just, well, I'm I'm just not, going quiet. I'm not sure what to say about that, Damo. I'm just going quiet well, over here. I'm just flushing. Yeah. Well, because you can't say anything because it's true. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Out, you can't
2: get it back, Brett.
1: Well, this is no, it. out there. Once it's burned into your retina, you can't unsee it either. So it's there forever <laughs> for me. But uh, that's okay, Brett. It's a it's good-looking white butt. Don't worry about it. Hey, um... <laughs> Mel, it's great to have you on our show. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you so that our listeners understand more about uh, Mel and MG Herbs and the Naked Naturopath.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, where do I start? I the Naked natural Path. I'll start there because I've just come under the couch and I'm super excited to join you guys. Um, it's a podcast that you know I kind of um, came about calling it Naked because I wanted to strip back all of the BS. So use the um, you know. Uh, abbreviated term, uh, the BS that's associated with health um, and wellness and our industry at the moment because there's lots of fads and there's lots of trends and it's very hard to stay on top of what's actually the truth and what the evidence says and um, that's what I do. I just talk about all a range of topics and mostly what my um, listeners kind of ask for and, and just strip it all back and, and bear it, you know, naked.
0: I love it. I love it. I'd love to talk about Let's talk about some of these fads and trends, Mel. I want to know what you're seeing out there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Things like, you know, paleo, CrossFit, yeah. cold showers, you know, people get into all these sort of things. Yeah. And uh, so tell us, what are the trends you're seeing out there that are concerning you?
2: Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a naturopath, a nutritionist and a herbalist and I have a clinic and my clinic's actually in a CrossFit gym um, because I love that and my husband's an exercise physiologist so we love to work together, you know, from those two points of view with, with health. Um, so I'm all about the CrossFit trend and I see that um, come along with the diets that come along with that too and paleo's certainly been up, you know, up and down for the last three or four years but at the moment... Keto. Keto is coming up heaps. Everywhere. Yeah. I did a podcast on it actually back in like um, February last year, I think. And um, it's probably still the most listened to podcast. People just go mental for it. Um, They want to know what it's all about. And I had a client in yesterday – no, yesterday was Sunday, Friday – who asked me about it again, who was thinking about going on it. And and yeah, it's just I really want to – strip that back and tell people exactly what it is and and I think uh, take the beauty away from it. I think people have this idea that, you know, Keto is the best the because my friend… You mean the romance. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, my friend lost 40 kilos on it and um, it's really good and then I started talking to her about it, this particular client. She was like, oh, she's actually really unhappy and I was saying it can have a huge effect on your mental health because I've treated this lady for the last two years for depression and i said i don't think it's for you you know and um, yeah she's like actually no you mentioned it. my friend is really unhappy even though she's skinny so you know i just um i just talk about stuff like that
1: yeah right that's um it's it is interesting isn't it because um, and this is the the Big issue, I think we face as naturopaths, herbalists, nutritionists, um, wellness practitioners, chiropractors, um, even those osteopaths and physios that are listening to us would struggle with these sorts of things because people come to us and go, and the GPs because I know there's GPs that are listening to us as well at the moment, and they we're faced with um, with our, our patients, our practice members coming to us and saying, "I'm going to do this because you know my friend, my best friend's um, auntie's nephew's boyfriend." Girl and and their girlfriends are doing it together. So why don't we just all do it and without any real attention to the details or what you know whether or not it's suitable for them. So that's a that's a concern. So it's great that you're stripping all that back, making all that naked, and trying to diffuse, I suppose, the romance around it and bringing some reality to it, which is really good. So.
2: I do have another client under a very good dietitian who is doing very well on a modified keto so it's not you know it's not like I'm against it but I just put the facts on that podcast and that's what the Naked Naturopath is all about.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good thing. It's a great point because I too have run ketogenic programs and I've had people doing keto and getting great results, but I've also put people on vegan diets and paleo diets (laughs) and, you know, gluten-free and all kinds of different sort of eating programs, um, but suitable to that person, not just, you know, because a book said it. Yes. Mm-mm. So what else are you seeing, Mel? Well, obviously, there's some dietary things, but are you seeing a shift towards herbs? Are you seeing people using more herbs or being um, you know, interested in herbs? Because I, I know that you use lots of tinctures and liquid herbs in your mm-hmm. practice. Are we seeing more people come towards that or moving away I from that?
2: Mean- No, I've always called myself a medical herbalist for first and foremost. And I only actually added the nutrition and the naturopathy later, um, primarily for the health funds, because they didn't recognize me as a herbalist, which I found very frustrating. Um, But yeah, look, nobody really leaves my clinic without a tincture. I think it's one of the, you know, best ways to uh, allow your body to, you know, get back into a bit of balance. And um, I do a lot of work with with people who are already on medications whether they want to stay on them or come down off them or um you know just help them to work better or minimize the side effects um we use herbs for that so uh, yeah like i i'm primarily a herbalist and um i do a lot of talking on the podcast about nutrition but i'm definitely more treating in the clinic with herbs
0: hey um Tell me about the term medical herbalist, Mel, because I find that interesting. You know, you often find people in the sort of health and wellness sphere want to sort of steer away from the term medical because they see that as more allopathic, more symptomatic, and and less, I guess, wellness and preventative focused. Um, yeah. Tell us about the approach you take as a herbalist, then, and as a medical herbalist. How does that? Uh, how does that term come to be, and how do you see that, I guess, relationship between doing it, um, as you know, medical, but also from a wellness perspective?
2: Yeah, I guess my philosophy is that all herbs are medicine, essentially, and and they need to be treated with that respect, um, whether that be you know uh, being scripted or. Um, appreciating the dose range or even appreciating that not all herbs are going to be good for everybody, like herbs do harm in the wrong dose and for the wrong thing if they're given to the wrong people. So I definitely think that they're medicine. And I studied with um, some really old-school herbalists who I loved and they really put the passion in me for herbs and they always called themselves medical herbalists. And I think that was to distinguish really between um, somebody who works in a garden and somebody who works in a clinic You know, like if I go to a party and even to this day, if I say that I'm a herbalist, people are like, oh, okay, so you you grow plants or, you know, do you work in a garden? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, When I I opened my own clinic, I actually, I took, you know, what you're talking about um, in terms of being associated with uh, medical, doctor, um, you know, that kind of thing, and I called myself a clinical herbalist and so, all my cards and my door and everything—it actually says "clinical herbalist" because I re- really wanted to kind of, I guess, bring about. I think that's um, that's
1: a good that's a good kind of line, isn't you, it? Clinical herbalist,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm in a clinic and I work with herbs, you know. So it takes away that medicine point of view, but also just makes it clear that I still treat you know, treat with herbs, I guess, was my intention.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So what's your impetus for doing – I mean, obviously, you, you see health information out there. You've been a, a practitioner for quite some time, and there's some frustrations, you know, in practice around what people bring to you with the language that they use or the things that they say. What's your main focus going to be over the next – 12 months 2 years 36 months with your uh, with your podcast are you going to get guests on are you going to be just you know um having discussions with yourself what what's your flavor what are you going to bring to our audience
2: I try to minimize the discussions with myself Damo. <laughs> cuz <'Cause> i <they>, um <laughs> but, but, they're, one they're way hard. yeah yeah it's really hard and i often say in the podcast no give me a holler if you Listening in because it gets pretty lonely podcasting on your own. I did many interviews um, last year, and those podcasts are coming across to the couch um, slowly because I think I've got about thirty-five now, um, and we've started with just six on the on the on the couch, and hoping to bring the rest over as well to kind of integrate it all. Um, but. This year, I'm talking mostly to local people, um, which I guess I did a bit last year as well. But local people in the wellness industry, and that includes like I've got a um, time set up with a blood group diet guy, which I'm really excited about, um, and, a, and a movement guy who is local to Newcastle. Um, I've got an integrative doctor from Sydney who I'm excited to talk about to talk to, um, and then just can you, can you drop with- any names? Oh. Oh yeah. Well, the local guy, his name's Josh Poll for the movement. They've just opened up a clinic in um, ha- Hamilton, and so I'm really excited. He's a he's actually a um, architect who's decided to go into movement, and his wife is a dietitian. So I'm going to get both of those guys on. Um, the doctor in Sydney, he, the, a, he's a blood group diet die. His name escapes me now, but he studied under the guy's son who wrote the book. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one. Maybe we can put it yeah. in the show notes.
0: So, Mel, tell us a bit about your why for doing the podcast. Like, what are you hoping to achieve by doing these interviews and sharing this information? What's What's your passion and, and what's your drive to want to get this information out there to the public?
2: I, When I see my clients in the clinic one-on-one, I just find there's not enough time to educate them on everything that I want to do and – um. So I started the podcast for them primarily so that, you know, I could say, yes, you know, I would love you to do this. Um, Why don't you jump on the podcast? There's a whole hour or there's a, you know, um, blog that you can read just to get more information and then come back to me with some questions. I know that, you know, for naturopaths and herbalists, we're always we have a little bit more time, obviously, than a doctor. Um, but my initial consult is still only forty-five minutes, and I just found that I couldn't give them all the information that I wanted to. Plus, if I tried to, it would overwhelm people. Um, so I would I started directing them to the podcast and to the blogs, and I I started it for them, my clients. And now I get people from all over Australia, kind of you know, listening in, and I actually generate clients from the podcast, so it works. both both ways which is nice
1: yeah that's really good that's really good I like that um I found in practice that there was lots of things that I said um in every single visit and I thought well how do I trim that back how do I make that um so that I can be you know refined and um I suppose uh, bespoke in my consultations but at the same time educate the people that I was meeting um, mm-hmm. about the things that are I suppose fundamentals so it's almost like the fundamentals that you're going to be the fundamentals of health or the fundamentals of well-being the fundamentals of different diets the fundamentals of yeah. exercise and movement that's kind of what you're going to be doing
2: yeah absolutely
1: mm, nice so oh, that's good so Mel um, as a herbalist um, you know that you're not only growing your own herbs and plants, you're actually doing it uh, clinically. Uh, as, a, as a herbalist, you're managing people's, I suppose, health needs. What are the sorts of things that people could come and see you for? Because uh, there's still some mystery out there as to what people could see us for, you know, uh, from a herbal perspective. What are the things that people do come and see you for? Is it mainly women's hormones or is it coughs and colds?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I, I really have referred to myself for the last few years as a general practitioner and I have a great group of colleagues like there's over 100 practicing naturopaths in Newcastle here who specialize most of them specialize and so if it is something that is really nitty-gritty then I usually refer to them and I stick with the general stuff so anything you would go see a GP for I see you know and I treat and um that can be cold sloughs it can be um Polycystic ovarian syndrome, I do a bit of fertility. I just had a um one of my babies was born last week, so that was very exciting. Um you do lots of depression, lots of anxiety, um, lots of stress, of course, you know, just in this day and age. So I'm pumping through the adrenal tonics. Um and then, you know, like everything from um oh, I see people to even just to teach them how to ferment. Like we run I run workshops and stuff like that. So people come into the clinic and book an appointment um and then they're there just to learn how to ferment which is um hilarious and I just shot my um third book for the the photographs for my third book yesterday so that was super exciting so I have lots of people come to me for recipes and I guess changing everyday recipes to suit their food intolerances allergies I see all that kind of stuff so everything that is very general um i even do a bit of autoimmune disease but again if it is super specific i'll um i'll refer it to one of my colleagues but um most of it you know is pretty general and you can get by with the the you know dispensary that i have is around 100 different herbs um so that keeps keeps me in pretty good stead and and means that i've got options for most conditions
0: that's great Mel and I love that I, that broad scope you're able to take and uh, you know I know for us as chiropractors, you know we have to be so careful nowadays about what we say we can treat and what we say we can help with because mm-hmm. we've been very restricted in terms of our regulatory guidelines and what we can say and all those sort of things. you know have you had similar sort of issues in in the herbalist world? Um, right. and, and how is that going for you guys?
2: I may assist with you know my herbs may assist with these things I I definitely don't cure them or treat them I may assist with them um yeah look it's it's something that I don't find is a big deal I worked in health food for six years I managed health food shops and you know I I learn a lot about labeling in that time um so I'm very careful with my flyers and my posters and my um you know even my blogs and stuff like that to be certain that I don't say that I can fix or treat or cure anything um which I may not be able to anyway so it's not a promise that I necessarily like to make um but yeah like it's it's just where we're at today I think right it's just um the world we live in and we just got to be careful with what we say I remember once I recommended somebody didn't eat tomatoes for some reason for this, you know, two-week period and I wrote it all down in my notes and so on and so forth. Anyway, they came back like 24 months later and they are like, I still haven't eaten any tomatoes, Mel. And I was like, why? Like because you said not to eat tomatoes. And I was like, no, no, like, you know, it was just this two-week period and um, it's, it's really important that we're very careful about what we say and what we recommend and make it very clear to our clients because they do take your word for a lot of those things. And um, for me, like I know that I'm the primary health practitioner in a lot of people's families. I see the mum, the dad, the kids, um, and then often the grandparents will come too. So um, need to be really careful and know when we need to refer as well.
1: Yeah, great call. Cool. That's a great call. It's interesting. Um, a lot of people will go, oh, there's no research into natural medicine or there's no research into herbal medicine, mm. no research into vitamins and minerals, and then they'll go um, – you know, I only do evidence-based medicine, or I only do evidence-based stuff, and I go, "Well, what research? You know, are you wanting? What are you, What are you actually looking for?" From a research perspective, evidence, you know, informed or not necessarily evidence-based. My understanding, having studied herbal medicine, you know, probably twenty odd years ago, was that there was a heap yeah. of research. Is there still ongoing research going into uh, medical herbalism?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I have an advanced diploma of Western herbal medicine, which I then went and did a bachelor degree in complementary medicine just to, um, you know, kind of solidify that. And when I studied, the guy who coordinated the course, he was completely, absolutely down the line research evidence based. And we weren't actually allowed to use herbs, even if they were in the books that we'd learned from, you know, had traditional use, um, all that kind of thing. He wouldn't, have us put them in the tonics that we were making in clinic like when we were student practitioners if they didn't have the research and if we couldn't, um, you know, tell him that the research existed. So what what I've studied is very much a evidence-based, um, you know, paradigm in terms of herbal medicine.
0: That's great, Mel. So, tell us about how herbs fit into your life. Like, how do you use them at home? Do you grow herbs in the garden and use them when you're cooking and those sort of things? Do you use tinctures at home? I'm assuming it's a bit of a combination of both, but tell us, you know, how these come into your day-to-day life.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I get asked this question all the time and probably, you know, when I first started out, I really wasn't prepared. Um, you know, I was thinking, what, what, what do I do? What do I take? And then I have at at some stages of my life you know that's very private for why you take different tonics but I've come to a point now where um people definitely trust in you and they want to know more about you as a person when you're their you know their practitioner and you play an important part in their life so um now I often write blogs about what I take or what I'm taking at the moment and I have a seven month old daughter and I kind of um, you know, blogged my way through the pregnancy and now her life with telling people what I took, and they love it. Like they just, you know, people want to know what what I'm taking, and I'm sure for you guys, they want to know what you guys are doing as well. Um, so I pretty much use herbs when I need them. I definitely don't take anything ongoing every day for no reason. I take them, I took them to have my baby. And I take them now that my cycle is back for for managing that. And I'll I'll just take them when it's due, you know, um, which is something that you can do with herbs. I take um, on and off things for anxiety, herbal tonics that I've got. I think I was telling Damo and Marcus last time that I've got like a microwave cubby hole at home. We don't have a microwave, so I've just filled it. It's just, you know, over the years got different tonics in it. And so my husband's very lactose intolerant and I've got – A tummy tonic in there that he goes to a lot if he has you know an upset tummy or has accidentally had some um some kind of lactose and there's a headache tonic in there and you know more of those first 80 kind of things so i've come to a place now that i'm i'm well and i feel good and i just take things as i need them
1: yeah nice it's a nice Nice kind of approach, nice gentle approach there, Mel, which is really good. Mel, um, you said you've just had your photos done for your third book. Um, tell us about your books. You've, you know, there's one, two, and now the third one coming out. What are your books about, and um, and can people get those from your website?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I never really set out to be a cookbook writer. I think it's a very dense market, um, but I would write recipes for my clients one on one. For mostly food intolerances, which is a big was a big part of my clinic when I first wrote my first book, because I myself had a had a parasite and you know was experiencing all these food intolerances, and you tend to attract what's going on in your life at the time, um, which is why I'm making lots of babies at the moment, um, so I, I just had all these recipes, and um, many of my clients had kind of said, "Can you put them into a book? You know, why don't you put them into a book? I'd buy your book and that kind of thing." So. I set out to write a recipe book thinking it would be, um, you know, one, two, three, easier than anything, and it was really difficult. And I actually um, – it took me over a year to put that first book together and I enjoyed the challenge and I met some really great people. And so I was writing recipes all the time anyway. And um, when my when my second kind of book came around, I was – it was towards the end of my pregnancy and I was just writing recipes all the time. My graphic designer said, why don't we put them into a second book? And I said, okay, let's do it. And then, so that was really about the gut and, um, moving further forward with all that information from food intolerances and how to get past them so that you can eat food again. Um, and, um, yeah, then the third book kind of just put itself together, I guess. Well, with a lot of, I mean, I'm writing recipes all night, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of come together on its own and it's, it's a mixture of, Um, Lots of information from the first two philosophies, you know, the the food intolerances and the gut stuff, but also eating food for medicine and using it as medicine every day so that our bodies are able to do what they need to do.
0: That's great, Mel. And I'm guessing with these books, obviously, they've got a lot of stuff in there about like sort of what to eat and what not to eat and, you know, obviously great recipes with each of those in there um, for the different, you know, gut healing and those sort of things. But how much does the herbalist side of it come into the recipes? Like, do you talk a lot about what different herbs you can add into your cooking um, in order to help out and in order to help out with certain conditions? Or do you mainly just keep the herbs to more sort of the, the medicinal tinctures and that sort of stuff?
2: Yeah, I tend to keep them more to the tinctures because food, like herbs as food is very different to herbs in a therapeutic, you know, medicinal kind of space. Um, but definitely culinary herbs, I talk about, um, you know, oregano and chamomile and um, rosemary being a phase two liver diet um, detoxer and all that stuff comes into the books where, you, where people can use it at home. Because I find there's a real disparity between what I have access to and what I can provide people and what they can access at home. Um, and I'm also careful um, not to encourage people to use herbs herbs medicinal herbs which are very concentrated and as I said before they they're medicine so um, I think they should be prescribed and I think that they should be dosed correctly I'm careful not to encourage people to self prescribe and use them at home um, in that way my but you have kind of given away um, I've, I'm teed up with another naturopath to write a fourth book on all the, all the herbs that you can use at home and the stuff that you can really do more medicinal, so making a cough syrup at home and, you know, making teething um, gels and, and um, tinctures and stuff for bubbers and all that kind of stuff. So that's the fourth book. Oh, so. nice.
1: That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's good.
2: But, yeah, um, stuff that they can access and use at home, I have put the information in there that will, will um, yeah, I guess help them to know what, what it's doing for their body.
1: Uh, that's so good well Mel look thanks so much for joining us on the Wellness Guys show it's been really great to have you on here and insightful I think a lot of people will kind of go oh that's really quite interesting I might have have a bit of a listen to that one Mel sounds kind of nice so obviously they can listen to you on the Naked Naturopath on the Wellness Couch they can subscribe to your podcast uh, by going to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever else they're using at the moment uh, depending on the device that they've got um, so they can get information about you there but obviously you've got websites too what's the best website for them to go to?
2: www.mgherbs.com
1: easy m for mary or mel or mark (laughs) or marcus m (laughs) m mgherbs.com.au and uh and check that out and and go and find out more about mel mel thanks so much for joining us it's been great having you on the model sky show
2: you thank you